This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. I want to ask you a question. Who is it that helps motivate you? Who is it that you're doing life with that is motivating you to grow spiritually. Uh, a recent study from Barna, a Christian group that, that studies Christianity, what's going on in our culture and our world, a recent study from this past year revealed that two in five Christians, okay, two in five Christians do not have anybody around them helping them grow spiritually. They have no one that's encouraging them in their discipleship piece. This is why here at the church next door, we created Your Next Step. We wanted to come along beside you every day. And so I know it's not perfect, but I want to be with you in this. That's why we ask you, go to yournextstepnow.com and and share with us what you're learning, how you're growing, because we want to do this with you. See, we want to take that down. We want to get rid of those two and five. We want to begin to say every Christian in our community, every Christian around the world, they have lots of people around them helping them grow spiritually. Today, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says, but you brothers and sisters aren't in darkness. You're not alone. You know that Jesus is returning. See, whenever we talk about growing spiritually, we talk about the importance of the motivation and the encouragement of relationship. That's why we at the church next door are here with you. Invite other people to download the podcast. Join us every day in the prayer. Sign up for our free materials. We want to help you grow spiritually. We're here with you, and we love you. God bless you. See, it was the Holy Spirit that brought you into a church for the first time in your life. The Holy Spirit said something's not right, and it directed you. I've had people tell me all the time, they say, you know, I've been driving past this place, and I keep feeling like I'm supposed to pull in. I'm supposed to pull in. I'm supposed to pull in. And then finally they pull in. That was the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this. You can tell the Holy Spirit no for a long time, and then he'll take your no. Don't do it. Don't do it. If God has been convicting you of a sin... Do not give him the Heisman forever. You know what I'm saying? It's time. It's time to relent. But church, I want to invite you, begin to pray. Say, Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Now, beware of this. When you ask the Lord to pour out his Holy Spirit on your life, you're welcoming him to tell you the things that you need to stop doing as well as the things you need to start doing. Okay? Okay? And you need to be willing to listen to him. One of the things that's interesting to me that people miss on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, what the people in the crowd said, they heard them saying in tongues was, they said, you were declaring the wonders of God. A lot of people put something into that context that is not there. They say, well, we... They, they believe that, that Pentecost came so that you and I would have the ability to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's own language. It's not what happened. They heard them declaring the wonders of God. See, when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, the wonder of God comes into your life. 
and you become transformed and you begin to say, I thank you, God, that you are my redeemer. I thank you, God, that you part red seas. I thank you, God, that you have delivered me from sin. See, those are the wonders of God. The wonders of God is the miracle that separates us from the sin of this world. The purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit is to testify to the power of God in our lives. That's what it does. And so when you and I pray for the Holy Spirit to come, what's going to happen is people are going to say, you know, I was just convicted that I needed to stop doing this. You know, people, people tell me, I was convicted that it was wrong for me to live with somebody that I was not married with. And and I didn't want to shame them, but I knew this was not working right. And they walked away away from that. When I was in college, uh, 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 at the University of Tennessee, I was part of InterVarsity. I was one of the leaders, and uh, so I, I had a similar job to what I have now for InterVarsity and that, that I, would, I would welcome students to their large group meeting and I would teach there at times and I would host other people. And, and one of the young guys that, that I was discipling, Clark, I remember walking with him down the hill one night and he said, I don't understand why you can't just have a beer. And I said, what do you mean? I can have a beer. And he said, but you never do. I said, that's right. He said, why not? I said, because there are other people watching my life. And if, if they see me live a life that would somehow cause them to take a pathway that's not good for them, a beer is not that important to me. You see, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, sometimes people think, well, just because you have the freedom, the New Testament says, doesn't mean you need to do that. Have you thought about the clothes that you wear? I mean... Are there times when the Holy Spirit should say to you, is that really what you should wear as a Christ follower? Because we wear clothes at times. We we, we are a t-shirt wearing generation, right? And sometimes they're kind of cheeky and they're kind of funny, but sometimes they really don't don't exemplify. Am I saying that you need to wear Jesus, Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. But some of our things that we wear, they connote darkness, evil, wickedness. Don't do it. Don't share posts that are ungodly. People, we are called to be a holy people. And what I'm saying right now is I want to encourage you, live a godly life. You and I are called to live a godly life, a holy life, a pleasing life. Have nothing to do with ungodliness. This is what what Paul is, is saying to the church here. This is what you and I are invited to. We are called to encourage the gospel. So what's the problem? Why do you and I not do it more? Why do Christians not do it more? I believe I've identified at least four of them. The problem of can't versus hypocrisy. We live in a world that says you can't say this and they just can't wait to tell you that you're a hypocrite. Okay. I was reading recently about a Nobel Prize winning man here. I've got his name. His name is Sir Timothy Hunt. And, and in 2001, he gets a Nobel Prize. In 2015, he's at a, a celebration in South Korea for uh, women scientists. He's there encouraging women scientists. However, someone in the audience um, misheard something that he said, and they decided to tweet it out that he was some sort of anti-woman, misogynistic, I don't know, dinosaur. 
And because that person had a lot of followers, it became the big thing. They tried to take away his Nobel Prize. They, they, they got him removed from multiple things. And, and, and he had to go in hiding for two years for the truth to come out for all the people that were in the room to say, no, he never said that. And see, you and I, you know, we, we, we live in a world where people are just looking for an opportunity to cancel. And at the same time, we're worried that if you and I are bold and say that we're a Christian, we know, this is what we know, we know we're going to slip up. We're going to have a bad moment. We're going we're gonna to swerve in, some, in front of somebody on the highway, and, and we're going to do something we ought not do. And the next thing you know, we're in a post somewhere, and we're worried. And see, can I just tell you this? Do not worry about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy just means you took a sand for something and you missed the mark. You and I live in a world, we need more morality. We need people that will stand up for a moral system. And if you're worried, well, I can't stand up for morality because I might have a slip one day. I might not be as kind as I ought to be, or I might, I might not be as honest as I should have been. Listen, if they ask you, does this make my butt look big, be quiet and walk away. I'm just telling you, folks, because, see, you don't want to be a hypocrite. See what I'm saying? This is the kind of craziness. Hypocrisy, listen, hypocrisy is made for some of the greatest gossip in our world in literature. <laughs> the truth is, if you fail to reach the mark that God has set for you in terms of honesty, in terms of integrity, in terms of God, godly living, you say, yeah, I missed the mark, but I still have the mark and I'm headed towards that. God, forgive me. I repent. That was wrong. Own it. Okay? But don't live in this world where they use hypocrisy as a means of keeping you from ever owning your identity in Christ. Okay? Ever owning a godly worldview. How about this one? Number two, a world of self-promotion and fear of judgment. Think about this. We live in a world of self-promotion and yet at the same time, we, we struggle over, we don't want to ever admit that we've ever done anything wrong. Yet, we put out posts, we put out information that's only positive through a filter. We, we don't want other people to judge us, yet we put ourselves out there, and then we ask them, what do you think about what I'm doing? And then we say, we are... Listen, can I just tell you, everybody likes judgment. Let's be honest. We just want to be the judge. This is why Cheesecake Factory is so successful. We want to look at all their list of cheesecakes and say, okay, I'll judge which one is the best, right? We all want to be the judge. We just don't want to be judged. And the truth is, there is one judge. And, and, and he judges as the creator of the universe, right? And yet, what's his standard of judgment? It's Jesus. So if you're better than Jesus, you get a passing grade. If you're not as good as Jesus, sorry, don't make it. So that's why you and I say, guess what? I'm with Jesus. <laughs> you and I get in because we're following Jesus, because we've given our life to Jesus, because we're not because we are Jesus. That's why I don't worry about hypocrisy, because you and I both know I could never be Jesus. But you know what? I'm going to be the best Jesus representative he has in my neighborhood. I'm going to give him my best. I'm going to do my best because he's worthy of it. See, that's what it means. The third one is what I call, it's a private matter. 
And this is really kind of our generation currently. Um, what we find is uh, Barna is this research group. They, they research Christians, and 56% of Christians tell Barna that their spiritual life is entirely private. Their spiritual life is entirely private. Now, this is devoid of looking at the New Testament, where Jesus invited Peter, James, and John, Mary, Martha, all these followers into a group to do life together. They're always meeting in crowds. They're always meeting in homes. How is it 56% of Christians can believe? See what I'm saying? Other studies that we do find out that two-thirds, all right, two-thirds of Christians, 39%, are not engaged in discipleship at all. That may be you right now, and you may, may feel a, a twinge of, of guilt or shame. You don't need to feel that. What you have to do is say, okay, I've got to grow. This is my opportunity. I've got to build some relationships this year. See, you and I have to start engaging our relationships with other people. That's what God has called us to. But we live in a world right now who says that your spirituality is it's personal. You shouldn't talk about it with anybody. That's not true at all. That is not biblical. That's a non-biblical approach to Christianity. It's always been relational. It's always been a, a, a part of a, a larger body of people. Is your salvation a personal decision? Yeah. But that's just the beginning. Let me ask you this. Who was it that led you to Christ? Who was it? Oh. So if you approach it as entirely personal, don't you thank God that they didn't have that attitude? Where would you be today? I can tell you the people that were instrumental in my life. Some of you need to write a note of encouragement today. Say, hey, just want to say thanks. I made it to church. You had a part in that. See what I'm saying? It's just a lie from our generation trying to hold us back. How about this one? The last one is learned helplessness. You say, well, what is learned helplessness? There's two kinds of learned helplessness. This is a psychologist. American psychologist is the one that discovered this, or he, he wants to take credit for it. You know, pain. So if, if every time you apply for a job, you get rejected, the pain gets great. And every time that happens, you get to a point and you're like, well, I'm just not going to try. I'm just going to sit at home. Right? And then you look at it, and if we, plot, if we give you an unemployment check that's good enough that it's, it's just the same as if you got the job anyway, well, you're not going to go for the job, right? But there's also another learned helplessness. And, and this, is, this is the one that you and I have to think about. So um, if, if you never have to make your own breakfast, mama always makes your breakfast for you, and you don't know how to make breakfast? I had a guy at college like this. His mother always did his clothes. He would mail his, home, his clothes home from college. She would wash them, fold them, press them, and mail them back to him. That's called learned helplessness, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to marry that man? Uh-uh. I mean, the first week of marriage. Let me introduce you to the wash machine, sir. Right? If your kids, if if your kids have only seen car keys that, that beep the door open, they'll never know how to put a car a key in. And you need to know their first car needs to be a car with a key, because do not spend so much money. Oh my gosh, your insurance rates will go up. Buy them something from Craigslist or the little old lady down the street. Get her old car. You see what I'm saying? 
Learned helplessness comes to... Now, this is what's happened. Can I tell you this? There's a bunch of Christians that have gone to church and they've been told, all you got to do is sit there and throw your money in the plate. And they have learned helplessness. They do not know how to share their faith. They do not know how... Let me tell you something. My daddy taught me how to work from the time I was this big so that one day when I'm this big, I can be a man that takes care of myself. And spiritually, you need to know how to share your faith. Spiritually, you need to know how to care, encourage somebody else. Spiritually, you need to know how you got saved and how someone else can be saved. But more than that, you need to know, well, why should we be baptized? Why should we want the Holy Spirit? Why should we fill in? How do you get free of an addiction? How do you get free of depression? Did you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is applied to all of this? Jesus didn't just save you to give you eternal life so you can live like some sort of self-centered, ungodly person living on cheap grace. It's a lie. They've created some sort of broken Christianity. We'll have nothing to do with it in this place. Nothing to do with it. You were called to be bold, confident, encouraging other people in the love of Jesus Christ. Approach serving God optimistically. Approach it from the perspective that if I serve God, it'll give me a blessing. Oh my gosh, I got to land the plane. All right, here we go. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. If you will just realize that wherever you go, wherever you go, you can encourage people with a kind word. You know, Jennifer and I went out to eat the other day, and, and, and I just thanked the girl that served us. I said, hey, thanks for working. I said, thanks today for working. See, when you and I go around, we thank people for doing the things that we want them to do. Right now, we've got to get people back to working. We shouldn't be afraid of work. Work is the best thing for you. What's interesting, when we read the scripture, there's these one another commands. Again and again, it says one another. It says not only encourage one another, but the scripture also says love one another in John 13. Welcome one another in Romans 15, 7. Confess your sins to one another in James 5, 16. It keeps going on again and again, one another. Why? Because we're in relationship and we're to help one another. Listen to Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. See, you and I are called to, to humbly value other people better than ourselves. When we see them doing something, we say, wow, you're an amazing person. How do you do that? How are you doing that? How do you keep going in the midst of a world that's so negative, so grumpy, so depressed? So, how do you do that? You know, you encourage one another. Say, I'm so proud of you. Some of you are still working 12-hour shifts, caring for people in hospitals. You're, you're, you're doing nursing care when, when there's stress in, in the world. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of, of the way that you've shown up. I'm so proud of the way you share your faith in the midst of that. Loving people, praying for people. Way to go. Humbly value others first. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, 
But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And he goes on, he talks about how they'll be lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self. I mean, Paul says to Timothy, in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. And every day when you and I open up the world in which we live in, we see the last days. And I want to give you encouragement. How do we approach the last days? It's in 1 Thessalonians. It's written to you and I, brothers and sisters. We're part of the body of Christ. Way to go. But you, our brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage, parakaleo, one another, and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. What I love about this passage is it says, listen, you and I may be living in the last days, don't worry about it. He uses the same language here, very similar language that he uses in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, you're pushing against spiritual forces of darkness. And he says, put on the full armor of God. He, he, he describes how you and I have to put our hope in God, in our salvation that comes from Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness, it comes from Jesus Christ. And you and I, we go out every day into battle. Let me tell you something. Soldiers don't put on their uniform because life is easy. If you've been given a gospel of grace and a gospel of happiness, you've been lied to. We live in a world of darkness, but the world around us needs the light that you and I have. If you had a flashlight and there was no light on, wouldn't you share the light? Share the light. Become an encourager. Challenge other people. Trust in Jesus. It's the best decision I ever made. Look to God. Worship God. Serve God. Go with God. God is the answer for the world today. Be encouraged and follow Him. Live for Him. Don't give up. Don't back down. Keep going. You're in the right way. Stay in this lane. It's the narrow lane, but it's a good lane. It is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow with me as I follow Him. That's the encouragement that you and I need. That's the encouragement the world needs. Don't give up on it. Lord, today as we leave this place, may we carry your grace, your love, and your hope with us. And God, may we carry the pack. Let us be fully aware of the armor we wear. For we are standing against the gates of hell. We oppose the lies of this world. We stand in the truth that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. In your name we pray. Amen. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. You know, prayer changes our lives. Prayer of agreement is powerful. Well, we're together right now. What are we waiting for? Can we just stop right now and take a moment to pray? Today, let's take a moment and just really ask for God to make us holy to consecrate us as instruments for His good. 
Lord, today we want to take a little bit of time just to to consecrate ourselves before you. Now, we know that's a big word, God, but it means that we're set apart and that we're made holy. And your scripture says that we are set apart and made holy and pleasing to you. Your word says that we are to be instruments of righteousness. Your word says that our bodies are to be a temple for your Holy Spirit. So everything that your word says is that that we are invited to be like a, a kingdom of priests that are that are holy and, and special. And so right now, God, this is what we're saying. If there's anything that needs to be cleansed, cleanse us. We know that in the days of old, when there was a temple, that it took days to consecrate the temple. And we're telling you, We want you to consecrate our lives. And if it takes days, let it be days. God, begin to remove anything from us that would make us unworthy of being a holy instrument for you. We want to serve you. And today, we want you to know we've, we've said no to the world. We are part of your kingdom of light. And we present ourselves... And, and we, we are so happy and excited that you would consider us worthy of being servants in the house of the Lord. And today we declare that our minds are holy for you, that our tongues are holy for you. May our words be holy and blessings wherever we go. May our eyes only look on that which is holy. May our ears only listen to what that is pleasing to you. May we sing songs of praise. May we bow before you. May we lift our hands before you. May everything about our bodies and our thought life, everything about us be pleasing to you. Let us learn to celebrate you and honor you for you are worthy in your name we pray amen hey thank you for praying with me you know i believe prayer is powerful we should pray first and ask questions later and if you'd like to be a part of the prayer ministry or part of this ministry i ask you to go to yournextstepnow.com that's right yournextstepnow.com Give us your email address, and we'll give you our free ebook. It's a prayer guide, a daily prayer guide right there for you every day. Be a part of the ministry of The Church Next Door and Your Next Step. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. 
Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.